And the fundamental way that the scriptures teach that God himself has taught us and tells us how we come to know him is through his word and then living that out. You know, the, and the more and more we know of his word, we come to know him. You know, we'd be not only gaining an understanding of him, right, but it becomes more personal, right? It becomes more in-depth. It comes to where we can understand the statement, I know that I know he lives. I know that I know he is the Lord. I know that I know he controls all things and so on, right? It's not some mystical feeling thing. Our feelings may not all line up with it and that. But they they can, and I believe they, they will more so than not as we continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of him. Saying that, so let's start talking one about, you know, coming to know him and know about him. I think one of the doctrines that, you know, we, we, we stress here and... You know, as Reformed people, we firmly believe this, but a doctrine called the, the providence of God. You know, the sovereignty of God in and over all things, right? That he literally controls. He not only created all things, he controls all things. All his created order. And with that, I like uh, to put it in this way, right, that we can define God's providence as God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that he, one, keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them, two, he cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. And three, he directs them to fulfill his purposes. That sounds like a lot where we're going to look at a, a lot of uh, different aspects about that. You know, for instance, their properties, right? He's the one that holds everything together, Right? What makes water water? Water doesn't change. Literally, though we can't understand it, right? Water water maintains all the properties which makes it water. But it's God who does that. He created it that way and he sustains it that way. But let's just look at some scriptures that generally and clearly teach us these things. And then we'll kind of go a little more in depth and look at some uh, look at some good examples and, and things that goes on there. But first... Let's just go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 9. Go through Nehemiah, you'll find that uh, comes Job, go backwards, Esther, Nehemiah. I know I'm sure every one of us reads from Nehemiah every day. Just joking. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 9 in verse 6. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all. 
and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. So we see clearly there, right, God teaching us and directly telling us, right, he created all things and he preserves them. He keeps them being, right? He preserves them in the state he created them, right? But uh, go on to, he go to uh, all the way into the New Testament to the book of Hebrews, And in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the brightness of his glory, right, the Father, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. It's up there. That word, and upholding all things, Right, goes to get not just preserving them, but upholding. And if you if you search it out, right, it's an active. He's actively holding all things together. You think of that like man. We don't understand it like man. Uh, you know, created the atom bomb. You found the way the atom works and found how to break it and everything. Well, the whole universe would just come apart unless God upheld it and sustained it and preserved it. He holds things together. He takes his hands off of his creation, it descends immediately into chaos. But go back, you know, again, scripture, scripture confirms these same things. Go to the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, Starting in verse 16, right again, speaking of our Lord Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, are hold together. All things by the power of his hands. And last but not least, to see just how far this extends, he's talking about all the created order that includes us. Right? But also, go to Acts 17, and just want to lay this groundwork down, because one thing, it, most, most people understand and don't have a problem with believing that, you know, God... God is in control of uh, the weather, and he created everything, and may not, you know, in control of the weather and that. But the more and more you go into Scripture, you understand that he is, that's when we say God's providence. He literally is in control of all that happens, and nothing happens apart from his will and his decree to happen. But Acts 17, verse... 28. For in him, right, the Lord, right, we live and move and have our being. So right through him, we, we live, we move, we have our being. You know, we can read elsewhere in that. You know, we were, you know, breathed out, God gave us life. But when we read that, we created everything, right, by him. 
you know, every breath we take itself is even from the Lord, but we live by him, through him, and of him. So we see that, that he upholds, he, he preserves, upholds, you know, all things consist, right? He, he holds them together, and all our being is by him. So before going on to that, is there any questions or that has of any of any verses we've read so far or anything I've said so far? Okay. We are clearly shown from Scripture that God is actively keeping his entire creation and causes it to fulfill all his purposes. I'm going to look at a few more. I actually just hand that out to you know also involved if uh Dean, would you read Ephesians one verse eleven? And John Mark, would you read Psalm one thirty five verses six and seven? And then I'll read Psalm one forty eight one one through six. But if you would please read Ephesians one eleven when you're when you're ready, Dean. So what things does he work after the counsel of his own will? He is talking there about our predestination, but he also says at the top of that, right, all things. So he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, uh, John Mark, uh, Psalms 135. Yes. Yes, and I'm gonna. So when we read that, right? Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He, right? In earth, in the seas, all deep places, right? We just read that. Sometimes we can read, we can kind of read it and kind of kind of miss its significance, right? But He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh the lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of His treasuries. So in a way, we, we don't quite understand what we see there, that he literally is in control of the weather. It's not us right there. He's literally he's in control of the weather. He's in absolute control of the weather. But then if you go on to Psalm 148, Psalm 148, and this is, I'm going to read several, several uh, through verse 6, and then, and then verse 8. But pay attention to what to all that is said here. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Remember we talk about you know, and Mike brought that out so good. We talk about, you know, there's figures of speech, there's, there's truth, and he sometimes does speak figuratively, but other times 
he also speaks plainly directly. You know, we understand that, right? That literally he's not, you know, that, you know, he's making a point there, but, you know, we know the son doesn't speak aloud and praise him in the of heaven. But you notice, right, that he's telling us <clears throat> right there to praise him, all his host. And why? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. In other words, that shall not pass away. Right? What he has determined, that is how it will be. And then just drop down to verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind. What are they all doing? Fulfilling his word. Fulfilling his word. Fulfilling his spoken decree. Fulfilling his purposes. <clears throat> it's just so amazing when we read on. There's just so many. We're just, we're just touching parts of it to just see that the, the amount of scripture that plainly teaches us about God's absolute sovereignty and control over all his creation <laughs> It, it's just mind-boggling. But if you just look at some, if you go to the book of Job, we're right there, just go back right before Psalms. And in Job chapter 37, in Job chapter 37, and starting in verse 5, God thundereth marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. There's something to, you know, keep in mind with all the with things we are talking about here, especially when we're going to get into about how, you know, even working through and in the lives of all his creatures, including people, are keeping that, that he does great things which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth. You know, whenever it falls, right? Likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into dens and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind and cold out of the north. By the breath of God, frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud, and it is turned round about by his counsels, that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction, or for his land, or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still. And consider the wondrous works of God. There's another thing too to say for you know you'll see some people on TV like some natural disaster let's say happens whether it's flooding a tsunami some horrible blizzard somewhere oh uh, God did it there he he sent that for correct well we don't know that for sure whether it's for judgment whether for that he says there's various reasons that he causes it but all weather patterns and that are still his control. 
and he sent the rains, or he stopped the rains. He caused it to rain heavy. He causes it to rain light. It's just, you know, abundantly amazing in that, what Scripture teaches about that. If you just go back to, uh, go back a few into Job chapter 5, And again, just want to really lay the groundwork down for this, where we can, you know, not just saying it, but what does Scripture say? Job chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. <clears throat> I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number, who goeth rain upon the earth, and sendeth waters upon the fields, to set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. He disappoints the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. In other words, right, what they determined, what they were going to do, what they thought they would do, right? he disappointed them. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the fraud is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grow up in the noonday as in the night. Now, of course, we know that every single instance, right, doesn't do that. We see right now, like this nation and most of the world, I would say, is under judgment. And we see a lot of things that apparently at the moment, you know, sinners are prospering greatly. But as a general rule, when we see that is of God, too. Just like when he's disappointing their enterprises, which he has. Many, many, many times in the past, we know from that, that it's still God, right? Because even though what they said upon their own enterprise, it's God who determines. But keep in one mind that, uh, for instance, I want to go at one because this one's sometimes used by some to come against the doctrine of, you know, God's, you know, God controls everything. But go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. The reason I say is actually this backs up the doctrine of providence, but there's some who take that word chance and take it like many in the world would see that, that word today fate. But actually, if you look it up, it means occurrence, or in an Hebrew idiom, just the unexpected, right? The unexpected happens to them all. And what they're saying, you can understand from all the rest of the scripture, they directly understood, right? Irregardless how much we could train for something, how much we may want something, how much we go after something, right? God imposes his will upon it. So it's his will if you succeed or not, not their will. 
whether they succeed or not. Uh, then going on to something else to just see, for instance, in the life of a believer, this is so important to understand. In, in my own life, I, I just want to share something real quick. When I finally understood the doctrine of providence, the more I studied, the more I understood it. I would say it has given me such, ever since, and now to this day, just in, just such a great amount of blessing in peace, in, in just peace, and just a strong, and really strengthen my faith as I go through life, and the things that have come upon, you know, me and Shar, and their friends, understanding that he's in control of everything. It is such a great thing to to know that, and the more we study it, the more we read about it, just like it says, no, right? the more assured we become of it, we will find ourselves, you know, becoming less and less, how would you say, worried about things. We're not supposed to worry, actually, because worry is a sign of a weak faith. But, you know, as not that, you know, we, hey, we're still human, no matter, you know, what we do on this side of heaven. But worry, remember, he says, do not worry. We're not to worry. But when we understand that he's in control of all things, right, that all things work together you know, according to the counsel of his will, that should, and it will, once you, the more you fully understand it and truly understand it, bring you much peace and joy. Amen? As we go on, just you know, for some more examples, in the life of a believer, you don't have to turn there, but just think of Psalm 23. That's one of our most well-known psalms. Most of the world knows parts of that psalm, whether they realize they can't number it. But, you know, the, the good shepherd, when people always use that, it comes from that. But think of that. Look at all those active things God is doing, right? He leadeth. He maketh. Right? He restoreth. Right? He prepares. Right? He anoints. Right? It's all things that he is doing in the lives of his people. Now, we can take that, right? He, he works in the lives of unbelievers too. All people, right? He fashions the hearts of all men. But especially as believers, we can take that and understand just from that one psalm, right? He restores, right? It's him leading us and guiding us and him at times making us to Take it easy, <laughs> you know, and strengthen us up. But I want to share uh, just a couple others, just to understand that from, you, you don't necessarily turn this, you can just write it down on Matthew 6, verse 26. There's another simple thing. He says, you know, consider the sparrows, right? My fa Jesus says, my father feeds them, right? It's also the animals, right? He takes care of the animal world. Think of Matthew 10, 29, he talks there about where, right, that not even a sparrow falls to the ground dead. Not even a sparrow dies apart from his will. So that's something we have trouble comprehending at times, but so not even a sparrow. And then he told him, right, you're worth much more than many sparrows, right? But, you know, all the hairs, you know, on our head are numbered, but we're, we're worth much more than many sparrows. So when you think of that, I remember when I think when I think of that and meditate on that, so obviously 
He's deeply involved in my life and all of his people's lives because he's letting us know in that. Not even a sparrow dies apart from my will. What are you worrying about? But uh, I want to see some other, just a few other things, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into, that, as I say, the most challenging thing this doctrine comes upon, and that's when it's his providence in the affairs of man <laughs> directly. But Dan, Daniel chapter 4. As soon as I get there. <laughs> Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. <clears throat> and we understand this is after, you know, after this we have, you know, where Nebuchadnezzar, you know, failed to give glory to God, proper glory to God. And God had made him mad, made him go insane in the wilderness. Now he restored him. <clears throat> now he's restored him. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Verse 34 of Daniel 5. Daniel 4, I mean. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And you think that's a very powerful statement. You know, because it, there it is. And all the inhabitants of the earth that's reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? In other words, none can thwart his purpose. No created being can thwart the potter's purpose. Amen. For as people, right, we we are the clay. He is a potter, and he, he does to us according to his good and perfect will. I want us to look at where in the Old Testament still. Go to Psalms 33. Again, just want to really lay this, lay this down so we could just see the... Just everything, like again, this, this isn't all of it. This is just samplings of where this is, you know, this is taught in Scripture. But Psalm 33, starting in verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Now we all understand that, right? And, and most people 
don't have a problem with that. Okay, he created all things, and uh, okay, he controls the uh, he controls the weather, you know. And you know, speaking of there, where when he created the earth, and when he bought all the waters together, all that right? For he commanded that. But then verse ten, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Right, people's own ideas, if they're apart from his will. His own idea is he brings them to none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. In the United States, at one time, our founding fathers understood this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholds all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. But he fashioneth their hearts alike. Understand when we talk about hearts, that's the innermost being. That's what it comes to our thoughts. You know, our thoughts and really the thoughts of who we are. And what moves us and everything. But so... We see that from other scriptures that we have read already, right, that he does that. He controls that. In a way, we cannot understand. We read that before. These are wonderful things, right? They're beyond our total comprehension because we are the created. We're created beings, right? Our understanding is, is finite when his understanding is infinite, right? But... Scripture clearly shows shows us that. <clears throat> and uh, just to finish a few more, I'm going to something else. Uh, go again, just back to Job real quick. Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14. Verse 5, seeing his days are determined, man, right, all men, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. In other words, he, he's determined your life, what, what you're going to do. What, you know, you're not going to go beyond what he has purposed, what he has purposed. Did you? Okay. Okay. And... I wonder if I want to read verse 6 there. Okay. And then, uh, last two places uh, we'll, we'll look at real quick here, and we're some discussion. Go to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man... And the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Pretty powerful on that when we understand again when he's talking with the heart, right? So preparations. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to comment on something that doesn't mean, even though we can't understand it, that we, we do make real choices that have real consequences. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I want to keep people in mind, right? It's not that we're robots, but we need to understand that these verses... First, we need to know the truth and accept it and understand it. 
But drop down there to verse 9, right, in chapter 16. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And then, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap. You know, just think like you draw lots, you know, draw from that, you know. But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So when you think of that, probably the most random thing we could think of is, you know, being in a lottery or, you know, drawing lots or whatever, the most random thing, right? No control or whatsoever. The Lord's, Lord's, the, the Lord's will is carried out in that lot, though we don't understand it. Now, with that, I wanted to say a few things before we close up, and then if anyone has any questions... Okay, if we read all of that, understand, right, that God is in control, and in control of our lives, and he moves us and directs us and guides us, and even the preparations of our heart, and even the words on our mouth, on our tongue, are of him. And we cannot fully comprehend this. But we are not robots. We do make real, willing choices that have real, eternal consequences. I mentioned before about robots. When we talk about these things, and anyone, if you really believe this and you talk to other people about it, you'll hear things like, well, what, we're just all a bunch of robots. Because I think the most important thing to understanding is that also in our own lives, in his directing of them, right? Well, people say, just like they say, well, that was just a chance occurrence, that storm, whatever it is, to understand that whether it's the weather whether it's, you know, our health, whether it's a decision, whether it's our job, whether it's that way, wait, God's directing it all. But one approach to these passages about God's working in our lives is to say that for our choices to be real, they cannot be caused by God, right? Because then, you know, free will, right? Well, then we don't have any will. We don't, you know, we don't have that. Well, that's one way to look at it, but... But the overwhelming number of passages that affirm and clearly show God's providential control over all his created order, including man, are impossible to honestly deny. I mean, to look at them level-headedly, and the ones we just read there, and that's just a sampling, right? It's impossible to deny that God, that Scripture affirms over and over and over again that God controls all things, right? <clears throat> what Scripture teaches is that God works in such a way that he causes all things to happen, but does so in such a way that he upholds our ability to make willing, responsible choices, that have real and eternal results, and, and for which we are accountable. Exactly how God does this, Scripture does not tell us. But just because we cannot understand how we should, how, how this happens, but because we cannot understand how it happens, we should and must 
accept it. Both those things that are choices matter. We make real choices. And God does hold us accountable for our choices. They do have real results. But that also he is in total control of us. And we must accept both because Scripture teaches both. In order to be faithful to Scriptures, in the end, what that means is to be faithful to Him. And I want to say that to just, you know, uh, going on, it's getting close to that time. Does anyone have any questions or comments concerning what I said? Mike. Yeah, you know, it, good thing there's good two good works out there is Jonathan Edwards, you know, on the freedom of the will, and then Martin Luther's books on that. And but I really like what it basically will boil down to saying this, and Mike, you just you know, Mike just said it there, right? When it comes, we will choose whatsoever we desire as far as our actions, right? Now when we're unsaved. We desire only what pleasures us, what pleases us. It, it, it might be good, it might be bad, it, it, you know, whatever it is, right? But once God moves upon us and we're saved, he gives us his Holy Spirit, right? We're born again, then he's given us a new heart, just like he says, right? Our insides, that new creature created in righteousness and holiness, right? And then we start to desire the things of God. You know, yeah, go ahead, Dean. There's only one, you know, we, we couldn't cover all this, and there's a lot, but, you know, I'd propose people, you know, just think of this, because we're going to go more in depth, because this isn't the foundation of it all. Scripture clearly teaches that God created everything. He sustains all of creation, right? He directs all of creation, and that he has decreed all things that will come to pass. Now, he does so in a way where he works within you know everyone talks about miracles but for the most part he he works within his created order he puts effects upon people right he affects it all 
and we can't understand it. This this comes into so many aspects, and we're going to take a look at that just for some to tell you that, well, what about evil, right? What about salvation, right? Where, where it just says that in the end, right, all things that happen, happen according to the counsel of his will, not some things. And there are people who teach that. Well, some things. So, all those examples in the Bible, those are just examples. Well, I actually didn't read any of those. I just wrote the corresponding scriptures that talk about overwhelmingly all things. You know, we could talk about that and think about those things. When Joseph, we're clearly showing in there that God directed and worked and used people. And in the end, they had different outcomes and different thoughts in their minds. But God's will from the beginning was that he end up exactly where he was. And his life end up being exactly what it was. It, go ahead, Mike. You know, and another thing to consider on this too, when when I said about that, that all things consider our own lives and that, like uh, you know, we worry about finances, or we worry maybe uh, something's going to happen to us, or whatever. Not if it's not God's will, and if that be the case, just like He tells us so plainly in First Peter, maybe we were to you know call to suffer for His name, we can rest. We can rest in him, knowing that also, because all things work together for good. He has a purpose in everything he does. And, you know, again, I, I can't say it enough. Uh, oh, I wanted to close with that. I'll say that. But also, and where I'm thinking of this, and if you're when you're reading, and, of course, the next two weeks and that, you know, I belong to, you know, we're going to be studying church history. But in the meantime, you know, I'd encourage everyone to just, you know, uh, Look it up, be thinking about that, about God's will in our lives. But I think one of the best places in all of Scripture to sum up, you know, when when we really start to consider, you know, passages like that, but that comprehension that, you know, just that God is in control of all things, including, you know, what happens to us and how our lives turn out. But in Romans 11, starting in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed or paid back unto him again. You know, all of these are rhetorical, right? No one. 
For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. In other words, when we consider all, all his wondrous works, we just, we, we just can't fathom them all. And we never will, because he's God and we're not. Amen. With that, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings in our lives, many that we, we don't even realize we just take for granted. But you have been so good to us. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you're, you're involved with every aspect of our lives. You tell us that, you know, not, not even a sparrow, not even a sparrow, falls to the ground and dies apart from your good, acceptable, and perfect will, O oh God. Father, help us to grow in our understanding more of you, to grow in grace, to continually edify us, Lord, so we may grow, be transformed, and grow more and more from glory to glory into the image of your Son. We ask your blessing on the upcoming service, Lord. May you be glorified, and all who are present be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>